From the Financial Times in Brussels, I'm Mehreen Khan and this is FT News. I'm joined today by Michael Peel, one of the EU correspondents in the Brussels Bureau. Michael, we are sitting in the European Council building at what has been dubbed the summit to save Angela Merkel. The EU's 28 leaders will be having a very long discussion about migration, which could go on into the night. Tell us what is at stake today for Chancellor Merkel and for the EU. Well, Marine, as you say, the crisis has really blown up, especially in Germany, um, but also around Europe. And the first thing to say is that unlike in 2015, 2016, where there was a surge of people seeking asylum, many more than the EU was used to, here that just hasn't happened. This is a political crisis in Germany and elsewhere. So the great task for Angela Merkel and people who support her is to come away from this summit without the many disagreements there are bursting into the open and with some kind of statement of a way forward which everyone can agree on. And that statement, the main part of that, will probably be more emphasis on the EU's external border and basically keeping people out unless they can prove that they should be given asylum in the EU. What's precipitated this political crisis? So we're here in Brussels and there are a lot of new faces around the table, including the Italian Prime Minister and existing heads of state, such as Poland and Hungary, who've always taken a very strong line on this. Why now? It's a combination of things, but one of the most important is the new political dynamic in countries like Italy, where, of course, the new interior minister, Matteo Salvini, who refused to let a ship full of rescued migrants dock earlier this month, and then that precipitated an argument with Malta and with France, and suddenly it blew up into something much bigger about what happens to people who are rescued, trying to make that tremendously dangerous sea journey. And let's not forget, This is a journey which, according to UN estimates, has left uh, more than 15,000 people killed or missing over the last several years. And then in Germany, there was an argument between Angela Merkel's uh, CDU and her coalition partner, the CSU, where the interior minister, Horst Seehofer, wanted much tougher rules at Germany's borders to mean that migrants could be turned away if they had been registered already as asylum seekers in other European countries. Now, there were questions over whether that would even be legal, but it piled the pressure on Mrs. Merkel. And of course, all of this comes back in some sense to her decision to allow more than a million uh, migrants to come into the country during the 2015-16 crisis. So in a sense, we're seeing the latest iteration of that playing out. And there seems to be two elements when it comes to migration policy, how to stop people coming in and also then what to do with people who may have failed asylum claims once they're in Europe. Describe some of the main issues that the summit has to deal with today. So, as you point out, the internal debate has been raging for years over asylum policy. When do countries take and cede responsibility for asylum seekers? Um, This has been going on for years since the crisis. There's no agreement. The latest effort by the rotating Bulgarian presidents of the EU has uh, struggled to make any headway. Simply put, there are just such deep divisions on internal asylum policy that it's hard to see any formula which will get everyone's agreement. So then the natural shift is to look at the external policy. If we can't manage people when they're inside, then let's keep them outside. Of course, EU leaders wouldn't put it so bluntly, but that's what this basically is. And that has the political virtue, uh, two political virtues as far as they're concerned. One is that it's something they can present to voters and say, well, look, 
people are voting for these Eurosceptic parties which talk about keeping people out. Look, we are keeping people out, so you know, you, you don't need to go for them, you can go for us. And also politically, it's something everyone can agree on. So countries like Hungary, which are unwilling to take compulsory quotas of relocations of refugees, are very happy, more than happy, to fund programs which they think keep migrants from entering the EU in the first place. One of the new elements that has entered the EU's vernacular is this idea of a disembarkation platform. Try and explain to our listeners what that might mean in normal English. So these would be places, centres where migrants who were rescued at sea in the Mediterranean could be sent. It's been left very fuzzy about whether these would be in the EU, in Europe, but not in the EU or somewhere outside of Europe. But most diplomats say that having this in Europe would not be feasible for various legal and political reasons. Therefore, this is going to be something that would need to be done in North and West African countries. And the idea would be that migrants would be sent there, their asylum claims would be processed there, and the whole process would be managed outside of the EU and only those who were deemed to be uh, to have good claims for, for protection, for refuge, would be allowed in. Now, there are all sorts of legal, logistical, ethical potential obstacles to this. It's a question of whether you can send people to third countries in this way. There's the question of um, how these places would be run, who would pay for them, how much it would cost, and what the conditions would be like. And of course, the EU has, for example, paid a lot of money into Libya, funding training for the Coast Guard, but that has caused some terrible problems. There have been allegations of abuses by Coast Guards. Migrants are sent to detention centers where they are treated appallingly by many accounts. And you know, there's a lot of criticism that the EU has basically washed its hands of this problem and is funding a rather shameful deal which is leading to a lot of persecution of people who are already you know, in terrible situations. They don't want the headlines that would come with something like that, so they've stressed that they would work with international organisations like the UNHCR and the International Organisation for Migration. But this is an ambition, it's not a blueprint. There is no plan on the table and they haven't even begun to have detailed negotiations with any countries who might host this. And more than one country in Africa has said that they wouldn't be interested in this, whether that will be changed, if there was enough money on the table or other incentives such as visas or other other perks is, is a different matter. But this is still a very long way from reaching a, a proper plan which uh, can then be taken forward. And just finally, the Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte on his way in today threatened to use Italy's veto to block any decisions today that didn't represent Italy's national interest. Are we even expecting any decisions? And if we don't get anything substantive from today or tonight, what happens next? I think the bar that the leaders who want something on migration out of this summit have set is a pretty low one. A general agreement on principle on the way forward. They've been selling heavily the idea of these disembarkation centres as something everyone can agree on. I think that they will feel, as you pointed out, that this is partly geared towards giving Angela Merkel something she can go home with and if they can end up with a unanimous statement on basic principles on the way forward then Mrs Merkel and her leaders who support her will consider that job done. But this is obviously only the beginning and so many of these proposals are either rife with divisions or they're just simply not developed yet in any substantial way. Well, we're planning to be here for a few more hours yet and we'll wait and see whether this does become the summit that saved Angela Merkel. Michael, thank you for joining me. And if you want the latest on the EU and migration policy, you can head over to ft.com. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
ಹಾಕಿ ಹಲೋ ವಿ ಆರ್ ರೀಥಿಂಕಿಂಗ್ ಅವರ್ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಸ್ಟ್ರಾಟಜಿ ಹೇರ್ ಅಟ್ ದ ಫೈನಾನ್ಷಿಯಲ್ ಟೈಮ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಿಡ್ ಲವ್ ಟು ಹೇರ್ ಯೋರ್ ವ್ಯೂಸ್ ವಿರ್ ಆಸ್ಕಿಂಗ್ ಲಿಸ್ನರ್ಸ್ ಟು ರೇಟ್ ಅವರ್ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಟೆಲ್ ಅಸ್ ವಟ್ ಯು ಲೈಕ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಲೈಕ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಅವರ್ ಶೋಸ್ ಟು ಕಂಟ್ರಿಬ್ಯೂಟ್ ಟು ಅವರ್ ಸರ್ವೇ ಫಾಲೋ ದ ಲಿಂಕ್ ಇನ್ ಅವರ್ ಶೋ ನೋಟ್ಸ್ ಓರ್ ಗೋ ಟು ಎಫ್ ಟಿ ಡಾಟ್ ಕಾಮ್ ಫೋರ್ ಸ್ಲಾಶ್ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಫೀಡ್ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಟು ಎಂಟರ್ ಅವರ್ ಪ್ರೈಸ್ ಡ್ರಾ ಟು ವಿನ್ ಫೈವ್ ಹಂಡ್ರೆಡ್ ಪೌಂಡ್ಸ್ ಓರ್ ದ ಎಕ್ವಿವಲೆಂಟ್ ಇನ್ ಡಾಲರ್ಸ್ Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.